It's hard to break in when the Spirit's moving in worship and uh, we're just in the presence of God. But I beg your indulgence to let me just speak to you a little bit. And for those online, um, I just want to share with you um, some things about the Holy Spirit. We're in a series on the Holy Spirit. Hasn't it been a good teaching series? Yeah, particularly Dom's, obviously, uh, talking. Uh, but we've learned so much through it all, uh, in our small groups, in our Sunday meetings. Um, just to give us some recap, um, some of the things that I've, I've particularly picked up on, for instance, the Holy Spirit has always been there. He was there in Genesis 1, hovering over the waters, a part of the creation process. Um, one of the important things is that he's a person, not an it. He's a person of the, of the Godhead. And um, I always think of it like this. Jesus said he's going to send us a helper and a counsellor. Now, he could have sent through Amazon uh, or other packaging <laughs> delivery services. Um, could have sent a computer. And said, so here he is. This is the object that's going to look after you and teach you and train you. Yes, he could have done. But it's a very different relationship from a computer. If a person turns up at your door... Yeah and says, I want to make your, my home with you, and uh, I'm going to teach and train you and, and guide you. That's a different relationship, isn't it? The Holy Spirit gives us abilities. We see that through the Bible, and particularly Old Testament gave some to be prophets, and, and people worked miracles, and there were craftsmen who designed wonderful things, and worship leaders. These are all um, gifts and abilities that the Holy Spirit can give. In the New Testament, it goes prolific. The, the mention of the Holy Spirit is everywhere, uh, particularly uh, at the start of Jesus' life. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, and when we become followers of Jesus, we are born again. We are renewed and refreshed and come alive, spiritually speaking, and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, changing us, moulding us, Shaping us to be like who? Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is really relevant to us and we've been learning loads about it, him. And um, what I would like to focus on today is a question about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Do we have access to the empowering uh, of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the spiritual gifts? Can, in other words, can we do what Jesus did? That's an interesting question. Now, most of us accept that we can um, be enhanced by the Holy Spirit. You know, those natural giftings like preaching can be anointed or teaching, anointed teaching. I hope you're seeing it today. <laughs> but from your face, I'm not sure yet. But we haven't finished yet. Anointed preaching and teaching can happen. You know, we can have, um, we can have enhancement in terms of uh, wisdom. Leaders pray often for wisdom. We need wisdom to be able to, to make right decisions. So we ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. Um, you see people with great love in their hearts, pastorally. They've just got this oodles of love for people and patience for people. The Holy Spirit generates that within them. So we don't really have a problem with, you know, uh, gifting, giftedness. The grey area of our faith comes when it 
we'll talk about miracles. Can miracles happen today? Can the things that we see Jesus do, can we, some, could, could someone walk on water now? Could, could they feed the 5,000? Could they heal someone? Can they raise someone from the dead? You know, are these the things that could happen today? That we're not 100% sure of. But why? Why the hesitancy? We call ourselves Bible-believing followers of Jesus. But the Bible is peppered with miracles. Surely if we believe the Bible, we believe in miracles. Jesus said this. He said in John 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. In Mark 16, he says this, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes in his baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and they'll drink anything poisonous. It won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. That's pretty freaky. Do you you accept that? That's freaky stuff, isn't it? let's, Let's face it, freaky stuff. But that seemed to be the expectation of Jesus that his followers would go and do the things he did, the miraculous things. And for all accounts, in the early church, first few hundred years, that's exactly what happened. We read it in Acts. The the house churches were established. They went out uh, baptising people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And with them went all these signs and wonders. That was part of the mission package that they had. And it seemed to work. House church was pop up all over the place. And yes, there was persecution. There was trouble. Um, but if they were chased out of one city, they just ended up in another. And new churches started popping up. In fact, the, the gifts of the Spirit at one point in one area got so prolific. And they got so excited about the gifts of the Spirit that Paul had to say, chill out, guys. <laughs> Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, we read, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. It's clear there was an expectation that the gifts were real. But if you didn't use them with love in your hearts, they were pointless. So my question is, what happened from those days to now? Because I don't know about you, but today um, I don't see the spiritual gifts in all of the church Every week. What happened to the supernatural element of faith? Now, I love history. 
My kids are here and their eyes are probably rolling already. Yes, Dad loves his war documentaries and ancient history documentaries and all that type of stuff. But actually, I think history is really useful. It teaches us what happened in the past, what went wrong, what went right, and we can learn from it. Let's face it, the Bible is a historical document. And we have to know a bit about the history of those times to really get the most out of our Bible readings. And also I think that church history teaches us a lot. And so I've had a look at church history for you. And I'm going to try and give you a lecture now, okay? Any enthusiastic people? Yeah, okay. Does anyone here love history like me? Is it? There were two. Oh, good. Brilliant. Okay. Okay, well, hopefully I won't bore you too much, but let's, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my theory to start us off with, and you see if it works out in the information I give you. My theory is this. The early church in the first few hundred years had very little. They didn't have buildings, they didn't have structures much. They Ultimately speaking, all they had was Jesus' authority to go and tell people, and the Spirit's leading and equipping through the spiritual gifts that was their authority and they went and they did it a bit like an underground church a bit like our church experience has been in this pandemic (laughs) underground all the buildings are closed and we've just had to survive something radically changed though when all the persecution stopped the, the Emperor Constantine came to the throne and he decided, because um, he sort of adopted Christianity as his lucky charm in a, in a fight, and uh, said, oh, maybe Christians have got something here. I know the whole empire is going to be Christian. And that happened in about 313 AD. And then he decided, oh, hang on, we need to know what's right and what's wrong. Can you Christians get together and tell me what scriptures should go in the Bible and what writings should be left out? So they got together in the Nicene Creed in about 325 and they collected together the canon of scripture. So now we have a backed church with a state-backed scripture and a state-backed structure of how to follow Jesus. And how to run a Christian church. That was an amazing, amazing win. Let's face it. At that point in time, that was a godsend. Because suddenly all the Christians didn't have to be afraid of their lives. And live with the constant threat of persecution. But I think the institutionalisation... How do you say that? Institutionalisation. That's it. Institutionalisation of the church actually came with some drawbacks. One of the drawbacks if you have a state-run church is that the position of leadership comes with a little bit of political clout. So it's quite attractive to be in those church leadership roles whether you believe in Jesus or not because with it came riches and power and prestige and status. So you ended up, over the years, having people buying in to church leadership roles who didn't really have any relationship with Jesus. 
Or if they did, it was just a formalised relationship. And as time went on, although there were miracles recorded and healings recorded, things were happening in the Holy Spirit, it was almost a bit like YouTube, where they monetize videos, yeah? And you want to have the biggest following for your church, because the more following you have, the more money you make. So they had holy relics and their favourite saints who uh, did the most healings. And it got so, so bad that this chap in the 1500s called Luther, one of the priests there, said, hang on guys, this is ridiculous. It's almost like you're buying your way into heaven. That can't be right. You can't pay for the forgiveness of sins. It's Jesus' job. And so that led to a reformation of the church. It led to the Protestant movement. Now the Protestants, which we are supposed to be part of, okay, um, actually started moving away on something that was unreliable, all these mystical miracles and things, and started concentrating and focusing much more on what was reliable, the scripture, the Bible. That is a solid foundation even today. So maybe that's the reason why people stopped looking to the Spirit to give them spiritual gifts. However, there were um, a few strange Christians um, in the 1500s, or 1600s rather, um, the, a group called the Quakers, nicknamed because they shook when the Holy Spirit came upon them. I mean, they were pretty weird, weren't they, obviously. Um, so they were driven out of the UK, ended up in the you know, the new world. Uh, probably explains a lot about the American people of today. I don't know, maybe that's a bit prejudiced. But, you know, um, but let's face it, um, they were weird, weren't they? To accept all this Holy Spirit mumbo-jumbo stuff. And it wasn't really until the 1900s that something radical changed. The, um, the Industrial Revolution had changed society so much that the culture of the day, and remember, World War I was looming. They had started talking about, was this the end of the world? End times. And if it was, what are we going to do about it? We know we've got this commission from Jesus to tell people about him, so we better get on with it. We better get the church active. And they started calling for reform in the church, particularly the American evangelistic movements, the, the uh, revival movements. Um, and for their model, they took the New Testament and the early church as their example. And what they see, saw in that mission package was that they went out baptising people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and with them went spiritual gifts to impact people's lives. Now, that, for all you Sunny Hill people, actually um, started the Pentecostal movement, which we are part of. Yeah. Go Dom. <laughs> uh, so it is relevant to us. I know, I hope I'm not boring you so far, but this is relevant stuff, all right? So... The Pentecostal movement with a mission to go out and save the lost using the spiritual gifts 
died out, didn't they? No, they actually flourished. Rapid growth throughout the world. So much so in the first 50 years that the established churches started going, what is this all about? And are we missing out on something here? Maybe we ought to read the scriptures a bit closely about these spiritual gifts. And Christians started saying from the more traditional churches, we need some of this. We need the Holy Spirit guiding, leading and empowering us. And so that that gave birth to the charismatic movement within the established churches. So here you have the Pentecostals and the charismatic movement accepting and embracing the gifts of the Spirit. Now, in statistical terms, the church today is falling backwards, particularly in the West, in the modern world. But the only growth really statistically is happening in the Pentecostal and charismatic movement. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. More and more Christians today accept the fact that we need the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit to be effective. Books like The Cross and the Switchblade came out in the 60s and explained um, David Wilkinson's uh, ministry to the gangs of New York, but also explained his reliance on the Holy Spirit. Jackie Pullinger's Chasing the Dragon came out in the 80s and she was a missionary that went to Hong Kong dealing with the drug addicts and the miraculous tales of speaking in tongues and baptism in the Spirit that helped these guys get off drugs just like that because they used the gifts of the Spirit. There were, um, at this time in the 80s, there was big events like Spring Harvest, interdenominational worship conferences started springing up and this experience people could have of coming and learning to to worship in a new way, led by the Spirit. And teachings on gifts of the Spirit became more and more commonplace. The church realised that baptism in the Spirit provoked a change in people. There was a new hunger for God. There was an inspiration to serve God and be whatever he wanted them to be. An expectation to see God move today. So this real heart for people, God's heart revealed to them what he wanted them to do. Now my story of the Holy Spirit begins in the 80s. Yes, I am that old. And it was in a youth group in a fairly traditional church. Um, So traditional it was mentioned in the Doomsday Book. Okay, so that's how far back it went. Now, I had been brought up on, in Sunday school and I was brought up on stories of Jesus and I'd asked Jesus to be my friend when I was about eight. Um, but I wasn't exactly on fire for Jesus. And then I went to a, a youth group where a couple came in and started talking about the Holy Spirit. And the fact that the Holy Spirit wanted to give us gifts live for Jesus and I think 
This is the most important question we can answer as Christians. After the one, yes to Jesus, follow you. Are we going to accept the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he's got for us? Now, different generations throughout the church history have answered that differently. And we've seen statistically the results of answering it differently. But what are you going to decide? Are you going to decide that the gifts of the Spirit are for you? I mean, as I said, we can, we can have an uh, understanding of giftedness. We understand that we can pray for healing and see healing in people. But very few of us, it's going to be instantaneous. instantaneous. We can get general guidance from Scripture. Really good, solid guidance. But do we expect specific words from God to speak? Life-changing decisions are going to be made through this guidance. Do we expect that here and now for our modern day and our modern lives? Can we rely on prophecies and, and dreams and visions? I mean, they're pretty abstract sometimes, aren't they? And if we open this Pandora's box of hocus-pocus, mumbo-jumbo, spiritual, super-spirituality, what's it going to be like? Isn't it going to be messy? What's going to church going to look like? That's going to be weird, isn't it? Who wants to be weird? <laughs> you want to be weird. Are we going to be, are we going to be weird people? Are we going to be uh, a weird, uh, a reliable Robert or a uh, weird Wendy? Are we going to be a stable Sally or a, or a mystical Mike? These are the decisions I want you to make today, guys. Okay. Are the gifts available to us? And do we want them? Now, it's, it's great to be solidly grounded on Scripture. We can rely on Scripture. But the trouble is, Scripture's not silent on the gifts of the spirit in fact in 1 Thessalonians 5 it says this do not stifle the Holy Spirit do not scoff at prophecy test everything that is said hold on to what is good now as a young man I was sceptical I doubted and I wasn't all of this mumbo-jumbo spiritual stuff that was being offered. But I knew God. And I knew that he wanted the best for me. So I said, okay, well, if you want to pray for me, go for it. So at the end of the youth group, they prayed for me. Some of you have heard my testimony before, but the best way I can explain it is that when I was prayed for, I just surrendered I said, okay, God, whatever you want, I want. And I went fairly lightheaded. Felt like I was floating. Not everyone has these type of experiences, but this is my experience. Um, and the best way I can describe it, there's a useful passage in Ephesians 5, 18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. 
Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so my experience was a bit like getting drunk, I guess. I'm not an expert on getting drunk, I have to admit. I expect that's what it's like. I also had a very strong image in my head as they were praying this picture of um, a golden brooch with three stalks of barley intertwined. Didn't really know what that meant, but it was a very strong impression. And because I'd been encouraged to try tongues, I mumbled a few words under my breath. They were a bit strange. I didn't know what was going on particularly. Now, I don't care if you have those type of experiences or not. That was my experience. That's not really important. What is important is what happened to me afterwards. It was like a switch had been flipped in my heart. Because before that event happened, I had doubts. After that event happened, I knew God was real. He had turned up. I had experienced him in a dramatic way. I knew who he was. And to be honest, I was really hungry for more. Did I become the perfect saint that you see before you? Um, No. And I'm still working on it. But I was on a journey. And it wasn't like a once a week Sunday stroll, it was an adventure. Loads of things happened to me through my life and and I've really been blessed in many ways by what God has done. I was encouraged at that point, though, to carry on in the gifts of the Spirit. They said, you've said a few words in tongues. Now you need to, every day, while you're praying, start it up again. I went, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And so what I used to do was i pray in my mind in English and I'd let my mouth speak. and say, Holy Spirit, just speak through me. And so these words would come out of my mouth. I didn't know what they meant, but they did seem to have a language to them, grammar and syntax and things. They seemed to be making sense, but I didn't understand what they made sense of. I didn't know, and I still don't know, whether what I'm praying in my head is coming out of my mouth. It may be completely differently related. But I knew I was talking to God because when I speak in tongues, I just feel closer to him. It's like I tune in to God and the spirit. In fact, if you ever ask me to pray for you, I'll often pray in tongues first because I really want to pray what God wants me to pray about. And I want the spirit to lead me. So I pray in tongues regularly. Now, if you've ever heard me talk about the Holy Spirit, you may have heard of this story that I've shared before, where I was visiting a friend. This Holy Spirit stuff was fairly new to me. But um, one, one afternoon, I, I saw that my friend was um, pretty upset. She'd gone into the garden. And I went out and followed her and said, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she wouldn't tell me. And so I said, well... Can I pray for you at least? And she agreed to that, but wouldn't tell me what to pray about. And so I, I did what only I could, the only thing I could think of doing, which was pray in tongues. And 
there's a gift that the Holy Spirit brings to us, which is called the word of knowledge. It's just like a little thought that drops into your head, out of the blue, and it's something you just would never even think of. And that was one occasion that it happened to me. And the word that came into my head was rape. Now that's not a word that you want to share with an upset young lady. But it wouldn't go away. And so hesitantly, I shared what I thought God was saying. And it had a really dramatic um, reaction, but in a good way. Suddenly it was like a dam burst. And my friend just shared with me what had happened to her and why she was so upset that day. Three years ago, she had been raped, but she'd not told a living soul. And that afternoon, she'd seen the man again who had raped her. Now, I hadn't got a clue, but God did. The Spirit just dropped that into my head and let me share. That's what the gifts of the Spirit do. And she could open up a secret that had kept her captive for three years. The Holy Spirit can bring us things that are very weird, but they can have a huge impact on people. We spend our lives trying to decide what to do. Life is a series of choices, isn't it? It would be good to make the right ones, ones that God wants us to make, following God's will in our lives. In Romans 8, 14, it says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I've seen a translation of that where it says, only those who are led by the Spirit are called children of God. So why are we going to be led by the Spirit? Jesus' life was actually very quiet before he had baptism in the water and baptism in the Spirit. Until the Spirit rested on him and equipped him for mission, no one really heard of Jesus. But when he was equipped by the Spirit, suddenly he had a ministry that changed the world. Now if Jesus needed the Spirit's leading and equipping to fulfil his Father's will, how much more do we? It would be great just to know what the next step is in our lives. Particularly as a church. And if we bring, our, bring us up to date, in just before the pandemic hit in the UK, Sunny Hill started having prayer meetings in the evenings. And I was at one of those prayer meetings and I felt that the Spirit gave me a picture so I came up the front here and I just shared it. The picture was this. It was a dry riverbed surrounded by parched land. And on the riverbed, this dusty, dry riverbed, were pebbles and stones. And we all looked upriver, waiting for the water to come again. That was a picture of the church and what was about to happen. Because literally a week later, 
the whole country went into lockdown. And all of this ended. We couldn't meet anymore as a church. And the natural flow of living water that we normally had seemed to have dried up. But God was saying, no, I've got a new thing that's going to happen. I want you to speak to the pebbles and the stones. And that represented us, people of God. A bit like us, we were separated as we are today in this building. But God was saying, don't look upstream for the water to come. I'm going to make the living water of the Spirit come out of each and every one of you. You are going to impact the world around you. And I don't know about you, but I've seen so much evidence of that in this pandemic last year and a half. God has been working through his people, reaching those who are lost, caring and loving others. God is doing a new thing through his church. The decision you need to make is are you going to be part of it? Are you going to have a quiet life as a Christian? Or are you going to go on an adventure with the Spirit? You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. You're going to feel foolish. i felt foolish lots of times. But I have a yearning to press on, to run the race that's set before me. And the good thing is, that we're, we're told to ask for the Holy Spirit's filling us and equipping us. But we're told in Scripture, if we ask, we receive. If we seek, we find. So we be, be confident that the Holy Spirit is waiting and longing to work through us. I do know this, that we all need a soaking and we all need to surrender to His will. Following Jesus is much more about surrendering our will and our control of our lives than anything else, I think. We need the Spirit to fill us daily with the fuel that will take us on a journey with Him. Our problem is we like to keep ripping control back and putting the cheap fuel that the world has got to offer into our tanks. Like the early church, if we want to live a life for Jesus, we need the gifts of the Spirit. If we want to have an impact on the community and our friends and family around us, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need to be supernaturally empowered followers of Jesus, just like those early Christians. They set the world on fire. I wonder what would happen if we allowed the Spirit to do that through us today. I'd like to invite you to respond to that message and that question. So wherever you are, whether you're at home, whether you're here, if you want to, to accept that challenge and say yes to the Holy Spirit, would you stand up and pray with me? Would you hold your hands in an act of surrender and acceptance. If you don't feel this is for you, that's okay. But if you want to accept the Holy Spirit and get a fresh filling of Him, now is an opportunity. So let's pray together. 
Holy Spirit, we will have many different reactions to this challenge. We might choose to ignore it. We might choose to run from it. But Lord, I pray that we would run towards you. We would embrace you and all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us now once more? Would you fill us? Would you equip us? Would you empower us to serve you? To go into all this world and to share and be witnesses to the truth of the gospel. Help us to be your people. And help us to turn to you every day for a fresh infilling of you. Amen.